Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Lounge Podcast. Uh, we have a special episode today. Um, this is an interview with Miss Marla Moss. Um, so, just to introduce Miss Marla, um, she is a doctoral intern currently completing the equivalent of a residency at the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs, Tennessee Valley Healthcare System, with an interest in health psychology. She will obtain her degree in clinical psychology in spring 2024 from Kansas City University. Marla has a strong emphasis in healthcare and health disparities. Her servitude for healthcare extends first in her pursuit as an occupational therapist for over 13 years and now as a psychology intern. Marla recognizes how important the biopsychosocial cultural model is to the welfare of all people as she extends her efforts towards racialized stress and the impacts on health among Black Americans. So the purpose of her research is to investigate doctoral Black medical students' coping mechanisms in response to racism-related events sustained throughout their medical school experience with a focus on the concept of racial battle fatigue. The results of this research will further the conceptualization of coping strategies used to mitigate the stress response system. Um, so this is just kind of Marla's work in a nutshell. I know me as a medical student, this definitely hits home um, because listen racial stress battle fatigue is a real thing it definitely exists and so I'm so excited to be talking to you today um Marla just kind of about your work and you know what brings you here to the lounge yes yes thank you so much for having me on I appreciate it yes of course of course so kind of just to start off can you kind of just first tell our listeners more about yourself and your academic journey so just to kind of make it simple for you guys um we are going to be showing popping up the questions on the screen as we're saying it so this is the question here so yes if you can begin with just kind of letting us know a little bit more about yourself yeah so i know it ultimately sounds crazy because you're like what she was an occupational therapist and now she's about to be in psychology like make that make sense <laughs> Literally, what happened was, um, I mean, it was my intent. I was going to stay in occupational therapy. I loved occupational therapy. I loved, like I, like you just talked about, the servitude piece of healthcare right. in itself. Um, but what I was finding is that as I tried to implement um, rehabilitation with any patient, I was running into aspects of fear, um, anxiety, mm -hmm depression, what was home life going to look like now that I've broken my hip or, you know, um, right. will I have proper, you know, caregivers when I get home? And I was like, wow, I was like, man, there's something to this, like this psychology piece, like I need to go get some training in psychology ultimately mm. so that I could come back and give, you know, quality health care. That was my right. intent. So I went, got a master's in psychology. I love psychology. Um, so much. And I mean, there's various avenues that you can go into with psychology. And of course, it just made sense to combine the two. So ultimately, my specialization will be health psychology. So that's kind of how I took the journey um, into psychology. Right. Oh, that's that's amazing, honestly. And I think it speaks to kind of you talking about your background in 
you know, occupational therapy and how you were able to combine that with your interest and love of psychology and, and kind of creating a niche for yourself is really amazing. Um, specifically the health psychology niche, which, cause I think that uh, that is something that's not too common. And I know for I, and like I said, um, our listeners where most of us are pre-med, we're medical students, we're residents, we're all kind of in the medical field and we're pretty much experiencing what you are now um, uh, doing your study on, which is the racial battle fatigue. So I'm interested in just knowing, can you define what that is for our listeners? Like, what is it? How does it manifest in the daily lives and work of Black students and scholars? Yes. So ultimately, the concept really comes from uh, Dr. William A. Smith. Um, mm -hmm. He's actually the chief executive administrator of um, Huntsman Mental Institution at the University of Utah. Uh, oh, wow. Ultimately, a phenomenal man that came up with this concept of racial battle fatigue. And really what it is, is just a framework to kind of describe systematic race-related repetitive stress injuries um, mm. that we encounter throughout our, you know, throughout our day. And that stress is really de derived from like cumulative effects of micro and macro level aggressions um, on a racialized targeted group, basically. Mm. So um, it originally started out as an African-American thing. And I mean, it, it has extended really to all persons of color, really. Right. And um, oh, no, go ahead. No, no, sorry. Um, oh, continue. Mm -hmm. No, um, I was like, oh, yeah, she asked me kind of how it manifests itself. Um, mm -hmm. Ironically, how it kind of manifests itself is emotionally, psychologically, physically, um, some of the aspects that you will see. I mean, it's not limited to, but you will see isolation, low self-esteem, anxiety, depression, constipation, digestive issues, low back right. pain, insomnia, like, right, <laughs> like right. name it, it'll be out there. But those are common things uh, physiologically that we're like migraines is a huge one, you know, that we mm. and you don't relate it back to what may have happened right. earlier that day. Right, right, 100%. And, you know, you kind of are touching on like all the physical manifestations that can even result from this racial battle fatigue um, from, you know, people who are in medicine. And I wonder kind of throughout your study so far and the data that you've collected so far, what are you seeing that are some common ways that black medical, um, medical students are experiencing racism as well as are there any particular um, anecdotes or stories that you can share from your data so far? Yes. Um, I, I really love doing this research because I learned so much from you all as well. But some of the common things that I am seeing in the focus groups now, um, people are talking about being held back, um, mm -hmm. having to repeat classes or even whole entire years, um, not being allotted proper time to kind of uh, retake examinations after coming off of, you know, illnesses. Um, right. They talk about verbal microaggressions from professors and colleagues um, mm. being made to feel inferior as a whole. Um, another one that I found really, really interesting is the shock factor that comes from mm. colleagues and professors um, that African-Americans could know this much about, you know, a topic or, you know, yeah. just, just have that grave ability to have this type of knowledge base right in the world no seriously and it and i think it's something that doesn't really come to mind usually when we're thinking about like 
just the like I, to actually put a word to it, the racial battle fatigue. I don't think anyone thought there was a word to describe what exactly that looks like, what that is, but we've all experienced it. Um, and with that, has there been any particular coping mechanisms that Black medical students have said that they use to kind of help deal with those anxieties and stress that they that they're feeling? Yeah, ultimately, I hear a lot of uh, spirituality as being one. Um, really collectivistic support, so familial support, friends, mm. uh, spouses, uh, people that look like you, kind of right. being able to bounce that information off of them, and somebody actually being able to validate how you are feeling. Right. Um, I think another just great um, anxiety or perceived stress outlet um, is physical activity. You know what I'm mm. saying. Um, we tell people all the time um, to do, think of imagery, put yourself mm -hmm. in a different place, deep breathing right. um, to try to combat some of that. But what I'm finding to be common is what um, an epidemiologist named Sherman James, um, he actually talks about John and Jane Henryism. And so mm. what really that is, is just a strategy of coping with prolonged exposure to stress by exposing ourselves to high levels of effort. So, right, oh, wow. I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to be better. I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Right. Ultimately, what that does is, is it kind of illuminates into a physiological cost. So we mm. get right back into the racial battle fatigue. Right. A hundred percent. And, you know, I think that you know, you're talking about people within medicine specifically and kind of how we're dealing with this racial battle fatigue. I wonder like you as a doctoral student who's studying this and, and you know, researching this, how would you say this research topic personally affects you? Are there any experiences or challenging situations you found yourself in um, that you just had to overcome? And if yes, are you kind of comfortable sharing with us what that is? Absolutely. So how this work actually started is because I actually endured some of the very same things. So like um, always being hypervigilant about how I present myself in the right. classroom. Um, I do not want to actually like solidify some of the stereotypes that you may have about African-Americans, because if I do, I speak for the whole, you know, population of yeah. African-Americans, you right. know, as a whole, I've even had my own um, situations that are very similar to the, some of those that I mentioned, like being very surprised um, mm. on how I present myself as far as knowledge base is concerned. Mm. Um, I've even had some cultural nuances that have actually held me back. So I've been mm. held back a year in my program in itself, mm. um, just for, like I said, those cultural nuances that mm. maybe my said professors didn't understand. So right. it, it holds near and dear to my heart too. It's almost like a Me Too movement um, yeah. as I speak to people in the focus groups. Right. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that like, it seems like there was inspiration that you took from your own personal, you know, battles, you know, being in this academic, academic world, because everyone knows that academia comes with a lot of stresses and challenges. And even I, as a medical student, I do experience that. So I, I think it's good that you kind of took that and you made that into something tangible that we can say, hey, like, this is what's going on. This is how we can combat it. Um, yeah, I, I think that's very meaningful. And I also want to kind of just know, if we're tying it into something that has happened within actual day-to-day -day life, like being a very prominent 
um, event um, where we had to kind where we kind of had to use these tools that you're talking about to battle it and um, get through it would be COVID-19. That was like very much like a um, prominent situation that happened. A lot of a lot of those things, I think, boiled even higher, like they really came to the surface because of COVID. And now something like racial battle fatigue during that time, I think, was very exacerbated, maybe compared to where we're kind of getting out of the woods with that. So I'm just kind of wondering, like, how do you feel like the COVID-19 pandemic and just like the 2020 racial awakening protests with George mm -hmm. Floyd and, you know, Breonna Taylor and all of those situations that were occurring for social justice kind of affected the racial climate in medical and higher education? Do you think that it was kind of more of a net positive, a net negative? Like, how would you describe that? Huh. Interesting enough, um, I actually think both. So mm. on the positive side of things, it kind of shed a light, you know, to things right. that we already knew. Racism is still well alive, you know. Right. But on the negative aspect of things, what I really see that it did is it kind of compounded our hypervigilance and stress mm. uh, and how we navigate in the environment. So I really think it speaks to PTSS our post-traumatic slave syndrome. So if you mm. um, know any work about Dr. Joyce DeGruy, um, mm. she discusses the multi-generational trauma um, mm. because of course, through our experiences, we formulate our opinions about whether or not the world is safe or right. not. Um, so I think in one way it, it shed light to those who are not in our skin and, mm. and don't know what we deal with every day. But right. in another, I think it just added another layer of hypervigilance that we now have to be aware of. Right. hundred percent. And I do think that like with that hypervigilance came a lot of just change in how we navigated society. You know, a lot of us kind of saw the repercussions of when you don't already have things in place to help you kind of recharge, um, you know, because we were forced to do stay at home. We were in a lockdown and all of these things. And we weren't used to that kind of lifestyle. We kind of, that just wasn't what we were used to. And so I think that's of study like this kind of shows the importance of just kind of practicing that on a day-to-day -day basis, because you never know what can happen. And you want to be able to have those kinds of tools in place when the time comes, um, because sometimes you'll have no choice but to sit, relax, and kind of just not do anything with work or, you know, with just day-to-day -day life. So I think it's um, really good that, once again, that you're creating a study that's showing the benefits of trying to recognize these factors that are affecting us. Um, but just kind of something to talk about for our listeners, particularly. I mean, you know, when it comes to research in general, um, that we we want people to care about our research because it has a particular meaning to it. But every there's something that has to kind of distinguish research one person's research from another person's research so for your research in particular um because the point of us bringing you onto the show is for to be able to attract other people to want to read about it to want to participate to take the survey and all of that what would you say like why your subject matter is worth exploring in a doctoral dissertation like what knowledge or information do you hope to gain from this research like from a personal standpoint as well as for, like what you want to share onto others Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think um, I think I can hit on both of those with this mm -hmm. one comment. Uh, specifically, yeah. I, I really want to put out there like adaptive coping strategies, really, that can be shared with, you know, prospective students that may be coming in, um, students that are already in the academic arena um, and just kind of mm -hmm. assist with 
you know, combating that microaggressions, that perceived mm-hmm. stress, that anxiety that we may feel while like you all are pursuing a medical degree. So I think mm-hmm. there's there's something cathartic really about um a me too kind of thing. This is this is happening with me. How do you handle this? Well, mm-hmm. you know, I typically do A, B, and C, you know. So I think like really having that foundational piece, because as you just spoke with the COVID-19 um question, it's kind of like you have to already be ready. You can't just get right. ready. So you already have to have those specific tools in your toolbox, you know, to right. pull out when needed. Right. hundred percent. And yeah, like it's it's more so now speaking to being able to recognize and see this struggle that's happening that's not always spoken about, but kind of shedding light onto it and letting people know that, hey, this is like, this is something that we recognize, even though it may not be spoken about on a day-to-day basis, maybe people would feel uncomfortable otherwise if it wasn't in like a research platform that, hey, we're investigating this and this is like a thing we've seen that happens. And so you're giving people kind of that platform, that voice mm-hmm. to speak about their own experiences. So I, I think that's... um a great thing because we do that on the podcast as well we try to create a platform where people can talk about this is what's going on this is what um we're trying to address in the black medical community um because usually there's not already a space for us to do that so um you know people like you who are doing this work is it definitely fits our and is in alignment with what we're trying to do on the podcast um and so i think Going off of that, you know, the point of this kind of research is to hopefully be embedded into the fabric of institutions who are training, you know, medical students who are black and brown. Um, And we want them to adapt what you're talking about in this research. We want them to incorporate it so that way it doesn't continue to harm, you know, people who are in training um, trying to become physicians or any other medical profession. And so how do you think that institutions can kind of internally audit their educational and or professional environments to kind of supplant the effects of racism in medical and higher education? And also while using your research as kind of like a a guide um, to incorporating that into, into training their students. Definitely. So I think the first thing is to know the research. I mean, literally looking, just handing out some stats, 25% of medical students literally face race-based discrimination. Like you're like, what? (laughs) You know, literally. And then as a whole unit, there's Mm 5.7 that identify as Black doctors. So in that 5.7 that identify as Black doctors, we're saying that 4% of those medical students who experience reoccurrent racism, Mm -hmm. they leave medical school. Mm -hmm. So we're left with not even a whole 1% that actually make it through and identify as Black doctors. So I think that is important for institutions. Know the research, know what's out there. Um, The second thing, have the representation in place. It is so important for us to have, you know, brown and black, you know, professionals um, in the same setting as us. I mean, literally have the have the representation, I say, would be second. Do the work internally Mm -hmm. on yourself, you know, recognize your own implicit biases that you have and literally figure out where those core beliefs, that foundation is coming mm-hmm. from and adjust. <laughs> right. There, like literally. And I would say third, um, do a climate survey. 
Mm. and your institution do a climate survey and mm. actually apply the results of that survey to your institution you know right. to the voices of your students um do they feel safe on campus you know right. are our campus police a threat to them why is right. that you know and doing those things to try to adjust and modify so that your students ultimately feel comfortable feel safe in this institution thereby making or at least i would say like carving out a pathway for for success for them right 100 percent. and I, I really like how you touched on um the the aspect of black medical students who also leave right or don't make it through because that is actually really a common thing and it's not always spoken about out of fear of you know looking less than that oh i wasn't able to make it through maybe there's you know a bunch of factors that played into it it could have been academic it could have been financial but most of the time it could even be mental and i think that like it's really good that you touched on that part that like sometimes it's just because the environment wasn't conducive to them being able to grow as a you know, medical provider in the way that they thought they could because of racism playing into it. So I, I think that's an important part that you mentioned. Um, you're really coming through with the answers and you're really kind of <laughs> giving us the full layout of why your work is so important. And I just want to, you know, I just kind of want to applaud you for doing this. I think that this is like great, great work um it's not traditional and it's not what we always hear about so i think that's the best part um and you know just kind of i want to just know are you kind of still se currently seeking other in individuals to contribute to your research by sharing their experiences with racism in medical education if so kind of how can we get in contact with you what how can they reach out to you to get this and be involved with this mm -hmm. yes 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 mm -hmm. yes and yes again absolutely <laughs> um I, I think it's so important for our, our voices to be heard um, mm. as a whole, because there is not a lot of, like, we're just skimming the surface as far as research dealing with African-Americans. So it is very important for us to get our voice heard. So definitely mm. you can contact me by email, uh, moss.marla um, at kansascity.edu. Mm. Um, I think the lounge has a link. Um, they've got my survey information. Mm -hmm. um, definitely please 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 i would love for your voice to be heard and also impact you know the research that is out there right no this has been great i mean i don't know if there's anything else you want to like let our listeners know any words of advice you want to leave them with because once again these are um black medical professionals at every stage from training just in undergrad to being in medical school to now training as a physician. So I don't know if there's anything you kind of want to leave um, our listeners with that you think would be helpful with their journeys moving forward. I definitely think um, it really comes down to the question is, who would you become mm. if you were no longer motivated by fear, by racism, by failure as a student? If said persons don't hold your future, who would you be? Um, right. And I think us having a voice, that's what taps into that, um, allowing you to be free, allowing right. you to flow as a, as a medical provider, um, allowing right. you to bring in those cultural nuances, uh, building rapport with your patients. And so I think this research opens up the door for us to be comfortable in trying to figure that out. Mm -hmm. 
well, well said. I couldn't have said it any better myself. Um, thank you so much, Marla, for just coming onto the lounge and kind of giving us um, your words of wisdom and giving us more information about what you're doing currently in your doctoral dissertation. Um, we look forward to it being finished and you becoming Dr. Marla Moss. You know, you're well on your way to that. And so um, we, we support you over here at the lounge. So thank you so much for coming. Thank you. No problem.